X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. It's May 5th, 2020. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. Today, back in the day in 1891, Carnegie Hall, the music hall, opened in New York with Tchaikovsky as the guest conductor. And in 1945, a Japanese balloon bomb killed six near Bly, Oregon. And, of course, it's National Teacher's Day and Cinco de Mayo. Celebrating the date of the Mexican Army's May 5, 1862 victory over France at the Battle of Puebla during the Franco-Mexican War. It's mainly celebrated in the state of Puebla, Mexico, and previously at bars and college campuses in the United States everywhere. Today on the local Your Quick Six headlines, a spotlight on today's day of action for missing and murdered indigenous women. Diego Diaz introduces the Curbside Heroes Project and an interview with Albert Lee, candidate for the United States House in District 3. That's the district where Earl Blumenauer currently represents. Having a photo off and saying, oh, this is horrible, that's lip service progressivism. You don't really have skin in the game. If you really had skin in the game, you would be doing everything you can with whatever power you have, either through the mechanics of uh, Congress or through the media. First up, it's time for today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. We've entered week seven of the stay-at-home order in Oregon. The plan for what comes next is becoming clear. The stay-at-home order might be loosened by May 15th, but probably not in Portland. Certain rural counties are expected to get the green light first, followed by cities and suburbs. Loosened is the key word. Concerts, sporting events, other large gatherings are still no-goes for the foreseeable future. Oregon is finally ready to start testing people without symptoms. Random COVID testing, it's a big deal. New research shows that many people get infected with COVID-19 without knowing it. That means they could be spreaders. The state is planning to test 100,000 randomly selected Oregonians to help address that blind spot. We should all be watching our mail this month. If you're one of the 100,000 people who gets picked for testing, you'll get a letter in the mail as soon as next week. That means one out of every 40 Oregonians should expect to get a test. We'll still need to avoid large gatherings to make contact tracing effective. The state is hiring 600 contact tracers to help contain the community spread of the virus. It's just a math problem. The more people you come in contact with, the harder it's going to be to track down and test those contacts if you end up showing signs of the coronavirus later. The governor warned reopening Oregon won't happen all at once. It'll be slower than anyone wants. Her quote, this is not like a light switch. It'll be more like a dimmer. Or maybe it'll be like stepping out gingerly onto a frozen lake. Or maybe like some other folksy simile. I genuinely look forward to more folksy similes. Your daily dose of data for the second day in a row. The Oregon Health Authority on Monday reported no new deaths. Thank you for that. In Washington, the latest available data from the Department of Health shows just over 15,000 diagnosed cases. If you're into ratios, that means there's about two in every 1,000 Washingtonians have contracted the virus. It means one out of every 1,500 Oregonians have contracted the virus. Or if you want apples to apples, it means about two out of every 3,000 Oregonians and about six out of every 3,000 Washingtonians. Looking nationally, COVID19.healthdata.org estimates 2,300 people a day dying in the country. That means we will pass 70,000 deaths in the country today. Washington Governor Jay Inslee will extend his stay-at-home order through at least May 31st. Inslee officially issued that extension yesterday on Monday. Restaurants and bars, when Oregon reopens, they may be required to issue last call at 10 p.m. The Oregonian first reported on the guidelines. Drafts of Governor Kate Brown's plan to lift parts of the statewide stay-at-home order show restaurants and bars could be asked to halt food and alcohol consumption by 10 o'clock at night, 
The guidelines also advise certain businesses to keep information about visitors to assist with contact tracing in order to continue stemming the spread of COVID-19. Details from the draft plan for restaurants, bars, and breweries do require a minimum of six feet between tables to keep patrons separated and individual parties limited to 10 people. And restaurants will be limited to 50% overall capacity. There'll be no self-service operations. Counter and bar seating would be prohibited unless a business finds that such seating decreases worker exposure. Menus would be single use and no pool tables or karaoke. All of this is in the context of restaurant closures. Clyde Common, the notable Portland downtown restaurant, has informed its staff it will not reopen. Greg Higgins of the downtown restaurant Higgins talked to the Oregonian and said that the PPP stimulus loans won't save restaurants. These are 1% loans. They can cover about two and a half months of payroll. They require no collateral and are entirely forgivable if the business maintains payroll. But a lot of restaurants can't maintain payroll. They're receiving essentially zero revenue. Higgins made clear that restaurants will have to rethink everything they do. Quoting him, it's not just go back and turn the stoves on. Naomi Pomeroy, who we talked to on The Local, joined other prominent U.S. chefs to ask for another $120 billion to support independent restaurants, those with no more than 20 locations focused on minority and women owners. She just convened a Zoom call with 2,500 restaurateurs around the country. The country's 500,000 independent restaurants employ 11 million people. Let's hope the Trump team goes for the plan. And if you're somebody who's always looking for a silver lining, no karaoke machines. Some struggling southwest Washington counties are going to get some number of millions of dollars in federal aid. Clark County is going to get $26 million. Cowlitz County is going to get about $6 million. The funds are part of the CARES Act, the federal relief package. The money can cover expenses that counties and cities have had to pay as part of their response, such as to help pay for more remote working or for janitors to more thoroughly disinfect public spaces. Meanwhile, the city of Vancouver anticipates losing $45 million from its general fund, and Longview expects a $4 million loss. Expectations are that much of the money will go to the public health department to pay for things like contact tracing. For example, the county plans to hire about 65 people who could help ramp up the contact tracing. That would cost about $367,000 a month and another $122,000 for startup costs. County officials said they wouldn't be able to pay for that without state or federal aid. And in Multnomah County, the first jury trial since the pandemic restrictions began will start. Multnomah County Circuit Court moved in mid-March to limit the number of people at the courthouse and attempt to curtail the spread. Portland Public Schools plans to furlough teachers, principals, and other staffers for one day a week for the remainder of the school year. They'll use a little-known provision of the special $600 a week federal unemployment subsidy that Congress authorized through July. Unemployed workers in Oregon and many other states qualify for that full $600 a week if they lose as little as 10% of their pay due to the coronavirus. So Oregon's largest district has hatched a plan to have its employees work four days a week for the remainder of the school year. And it's banking on its unionized workers agreeing to the deal. Workers would lose 20% of their pay from the district, but they would have more than that backfilled by getting 20% of the weekly state unemployment benefit to which they are entitled plus the full $600 weekly federal match. That means a teacher at the top rung on the pay scale would lose about $460 a week in district pay, but that teacher would qualify for $600 a week from the federal rescue package, plus another $130 for the state unemployment system, so that teacher could come out ahead, at least according to Oregonians' math. In political news, Shamia Fagan has outraised Jamie McLeod Skinner and Mark Hass combined in her campaign for Secretary of State. 75% of her money coming from public labor. Jamie McLeod Skinner is the one candidate refusing to take corporate money. 
Representative Diego Hernandez is the subject of multiple sexual harassment allegations. Previously, when committee assignments were released, House Speaker Tina Kotek had given Representative Hernandez zero committee assignments. On Monday, she called for him to resign. Representative Hernandez has asked people to withhold judgment until the investigation is complete, saying he knows there is an organized campaign against him. In City Council Position 2, the top fundraisers in terms of total donors are, in order, Margot Black, Dan Ryan, Sam Chase, Tara Hurst, Julia DeGraw, and Loretta Smith. Margot Black, Dan Ryan, and Sam Chase each cleared the $100,000 mark in matching funds. At least it's not raining cats and dogs. Oregon is allowing elective veterinary services to resume. Anyone with a pet has experienced a number of emotions during this lonely time, the joy of companionship, and also the nagging worry, what happens if my pet gets sick? Because along with closures of bars and restaurants, vets' offices have been ordered to close. Well, Governor Kate Brown has allowed elective veterinary services to resume. Reopening will start slowly. Criteria must be reassessed every two weeks. That means physical distancing in exam rooms, treatment areas, and waiting rooms. And clinics are asked to consider having their clients wait for their appointment outside, like in their car. Meanwhile, my dog is very upset about the news that the vet's office has reopened. And a reminder, X-Ray is offering free radio spots to businesses and organizations in need from the coronavirus. Submit to the local at xray.fm. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. Here's Emily Gilliland with What's Next. Thanks, Jefferson. First up, a piece from Barb Seaman of KXRW Vancouver and X-Ray FM. Today, May 5th, is a day of action for missing and murdered Indigenous women. Here's Barb with more. For X-Ray FM, I'm Barb Seaman. The U.S. Department of Justice reports that in some tribal communities... American Indian women face murder rates that are more than 10 times the national average. So May 5th has been designated a National Day of Action. People are asked to wear red and hang a red dress in a window to honor the women and girls our Native communities have lost. In the Native culture, red is known to be the only color that the spirits can see. We're calling back our missing women and children. At the Women's March in Vancouver last January, one of the presenters was Joanna Johnson, a proud member of the Colville tribe. Johnson is a veteran of the U.S. Navy and a domestic violence survivor. She gave an emotional appeal to raise awareness for this long-standing issue that needs to be addressed in Washington state and around the country. When compared to the national averages, I want to bring attention to the fact that Our indigenous women are two and a half times more likely to be assaulted, two times more likely to be stalked, five times more likely to experience interracial violence, ten times more likely to be murdered. And this is happening on reservations here in the state, as close as the Yakima Reservation. Indigenous mothers are 35% more likely to be murdered than any other MMIW. My sisters, this is reproductive injustice. And an injustice to mothers everywhere. Our women are vanishing. More Native American women have been counted as missing and murdered in Washington state alone. That's more than any other state in this country. 
Johnson told the Women's March crowd that a 2019 study showed Seattle to be the city with the highest number of cases, and Tacoma, number seven on the list. We need your help. You need to be vigilant. When you see something, say something. We're not invisible. We're still here. And on behalf of all of my missing and murdered sisters, being a Native American woman, there's a target on my back. If I ever go somewhere and I don't come back when I said I would, know that I did not just leave. I would not do that to my family and my loved ones. If I ever go missing, something is wrong. Look for me. That was Colville Tribe member Joanna Johnson speaking this past January at the Vancouver Women's March. On the National Day of Awareness for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, I'm Barb Seaman for X-Ray FM. And photographer Diego Diaz joined us on the X-Ray Morning Show to discuss a new project on Facebook and Instagram, the Curbside Heroes Project, a photographic showcase of kindness happening across our hometown. Thanks for being with us, Diego. Hi, how are you? It's good, it's good to be here. I'm glad that you're with us. Tell us about the Curbside Heroes Project. Um, well, um, it's not just uh, me. Um, I'm mm-hmm. uh, partnering with uh, uh, Angie Tarantino, who is a, a business consultant, somebody more that comes from uh, the small um, business uh, side of things. And uh, it all started, you know, one morning I woke up, uh, saw a text message, uh, you know, with an idea. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a vaguely describing, you know, what we're, uh, you know, like kind of like the concept of like, you know, going around telling uh, stories of kindness, stories of uh, people doing great things. Is really, no, what I do is actually really what people do, you know, what uh, makes a story and kind of like, you know, I call me later, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and that's how that's how we got started. You know, we came up with the name. She came up with the name. Angie came with uh and I thought it was, uh, she came with the term like curbside heroes and I thought it was. It was a great name. Um, I tend to think that you know the the hero uh, word is a bit uh, is a bit abused, but I think in this case you know it's um, um, it's kind of spot on because more like uh, this person or this other person um, really like uh, you know we kind of see like like the community is a hero you know like because mm-hmm. uh, there's this massive outpouring of kindness and uh, people doing uh, things. The stories are not always going to be. Uh, uh, all nice and beautiful because it's you know it's it's quite a it's it's quite a, a creepy environment you know like the, the information that we're getting about this is like a massive challenge that we haven't seen in generations and and like you know like the the, the I mean when you look at the the information about it is it's it's outright scary but I think that uh, through it all you know um, you know like. We we're getting this uh, also this massive amounts of information coming from like you know uh, the the what is the the national environment of politics which is you know doesn't add to it but um, all that stuff is important because we need to know what's going on our lives depend of knowing uh, of having that information but uh, but also we need to be able to turn our heads to like what's going uh, going on locally because with it all you know really at the end of the day we do have each other mm. and we. Uh, when we have each other's backs, you know, we need to tell that story as well, you know, otherwise, you know, we could go crazy in this environment. Mm. 
give us right. give us an example of some of the inspiring images and stories that you've captured. Um, uh, well, like it's been um, the, when when we started, you know, like uh, the the you know, like the first few weeks when we this lockdown started, you know, you, we all kind of I think everybody went to this like uh, mode of uh, you know what can I do? Oh my God, what's going on? You know, we all uh, had a, some of us, or at least I did have a good amount of denial and then finally when we said to do this you know um then kind of kind of we kicked in in gear and it all started just like hearing um especially like friends who are into uh, healthcare as we were listening to all these stories coming from italy and coming from new york and like uh, a lot of us like some people kind of trying to figure out how can we help how can we get some uh protective gear for uh health workers how can uh uh, I don't know, like how can we can get uh, I don't know, deliver meals or like you know like uh, like, mm. I mean, that and seeing people already doing that uh, kind of inspired the idea of like, like of reporting on it or telling people because um, we need to like, I mean having the keep the fire going on that kind of initiative and having people like truly get inspired and believe that they can make a difference, you know, uh, mm. by action or inaction, you know, cause it's just as valid to stay home, you know, and not do anything or those who can afford to like, you know, do deliveries or uh, just checking your neighbors and make sure that people are doing all right and that they're getting uh, their food, that they're getting, uh, and just, just that, not just like a, a a particular example of somebody doing something like what is really inspired me is like you know like the uh, or us may I say um, is just the outpouring of initiatives around there you know where there was a, a like you know people turning uh, businesses from like you know uh, especially in, in the service industry when I do have a lot of friends on it you know when they're like just turning around like having a, a bar to actually have a giant you know uh, food cart because they're all like doing stuff, you know, like they're all delivering and 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 then the the, the donations, you know, people making box lunches uh, for people who can't afford to eat and making food runs to uh, for hospitals. Uh, um, you know, like uh, like another story that was uh, really inspiring uh, was like people making actually uh, uh, protective gear uh, to donate to be able to uh, cover up the shortage of supply. From the federal level or from like to uh actual hospitals like i don't know it's like this whole thing and then just there's a, a whole other aspect which is kind of like uh just the living you know like just going day to day you know like there's there has to be there's mechanisms to cope with uh just the everyday because our reality is forever changed mm. uh, i believe and there's i don't think that there's really a going back to normal um but also there's an opportunity uh, to kind of change a bit of the culture of like the self, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of truly live in this uh, a bit of like me world. And this is a great opportunity to just like keep the fire going. And, and, and once we beat this coronavirus thing that we can still be, uh, you know, that we can keep the spirit of like being, being a community because it's amazing stuff going on out there. Mm. Your your Instagram has so many striking photos of folks doing, as you said, you know, a whole host of things. Whether it's uh, service personnel who are helping those who are injured or sick, or restaurant workers, or uh, you have Ozzy Gonzalez, a mayoral candidate, as one of your stories. 
Um, Where where can folks how can folks contact you if they have a story that you think that they think is worth covering? Well, um, so far, um, I mean, we just got started basically, and I'm still kind of like as you probably can tell by my sometimes vaguely answers, like you know, like we 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 have this uh, vehicle just rolling out of the garage, so we had a Instagram account uh, at Curseside Heroes. And we have a Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, by the same uh, handle, and and like I would like just ask people to just uh, you know follow us, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and and don't doubt to like uh, send us a message. You know, whenever like they see something that can be relevant or like point us in any direction, we absolutely happy to like you know um, create a list and 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 get out there and 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 be able to like you know report on it uh mm-hmm. i mean the, the the objective of this is purely observational and 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 the idea is just to build up this mosaic of people of acts mm-hmm. people acting um and and you know like at the end at the end of it you know to have this you know tales of the quarantine of you know so we can remember that you know we we stood to the challenge and we help each other and and, and just keep it going, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Diego, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for what you're doing. You, With so many of us staying at home and not being out in the community, we're not seeing the everyday acts that folks are taking that are inspiring. So thank you so much for putting the visual to that. And um, we'll be sure to share Curbside Heroes across our social media so that more folks know about you. Thank you so much. I really um, appreciate the opportunity uh, to come uh, um, and uh, tell tell our story and tell our initiative and, and encourage everybody to like inspire and and you know go out there and help. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Diego. Thank you very much. Again, that was photographer and journalist Diego Diaz. You can find his latest project on Instagram and Facebook at Curbside Heroes. Albert Lee, candidate for U.S. House District 3, sits down with Jefferson and Joe Smith to share his vision for Oregon and why he's running for office. This interview is pre-COVID-19. Oh, how times have changed. Albert Lee, thanks for joining us. Who are you and why are you running? Well, my name is Albert Lee, and I'm running to represent the people of the 3rd District of Oregon to the United States Congress because I believe, first of all, that democracy requires choice. It's something that we simply haven't had here in over a generation. We face a series of crises here in the district, across the country, and around the world that require bold action now, and not just inspirational and aspirational words. I believe in the basic tenets of the party when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think it's time that we uplift some new voices from some other backgrounds, from some other lived perspectives, to represent us here in the most diverse district of the state. And lastly, I think it's time that we end uh, the rule of career politicians, uh, you know, elite multimillionaire career politicians, and replace them with citizen representatives who know the struggle, who won't take corporate contributions, and who will truly represent and fight for the people. What are the, and Dad's here too, and he'll have, I, I assume, questions as well. I mean, presumably the question you get most often is, as I look at the national landscape, as I look at the local landscape, if I get frustrated about climate change, if I get frustrated about wealth disparities, if I get frustrated about the war on voting, our blue and our ain't enemy number one. Why do you say that this is a big priority, that people need to rethink the representation in Congress from the 3rd District? Certainly. First of all, we simply can't wait. 
Uh, you know, can't wait ha- for what? We have a series of crises, a climate emergency. Uh, a lot of us are impacted by the lack of living wages and, and affordable housing. Well, let me, housing. let me, let me, let me, let me nudge on that a little bit. Yep. So they can't wait. So what? You're in Congress instead of Earl, let's say. Mm-hmm. All right. What urgency is felt by a majority of people in Congress that isn't felt now? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, I think that there's a difference between being a lip service progressive and actually doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're talking about a climate emergency, you know, Earl says that he's one of the authors of the Green New Deal. At the same time, he holds millions of dollars in fossil fuel stocks. I don't think that those two things are in alignment. Uh, I don't think that you can truly be a champion for this planet and the people. Is there any evidence? What evidence do you have that his ownership, I don't, I don't have that data. I'm happy to look at it, that that stock ownership is impacting his voting or prioritization habits? Well, I, I'll tell you what, if I had millions of dollars in fossil fuel stocks, I think that would impact the you way You think I it might, it. but we, we don't we don't see, has he voted bad on anything? Yeah, I mean, he's voted, He's he's got a lot of decent votes for the most part. I mean, look. Don't get me wrong. He is one of the better uh, representatives that we had. But for, for 24 years, there are some bad votes. I mean, yeah. he is our social justice champion that voted for the defense of marriage. He's our social justice champion that voted for SESTA FOSA. And now I know he's gone back and said that defense of marriage was a bad vote. And maybe three or four years down the road, he'll say the same thing about SESTA FOSTA. But what Remi- we- I think defense of marriage, everybody remembers. Uh, explain the other one. SESTA FOSTA? I mean, SESTA FOSTA was the, uh, 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 basically the thing that shut down Craigslist and all the other internet providers, basically pushing uh, sex work and th- that industry into the underground, into the shadows, and effectively pushing child trafficking underground where we cannot get to those people and save those children. What would people, what do you think excites people most about your race? Well, I'll tell you what. I think the same thing that people are excited about about Bernie Sanders' race. Uh, We are a bunch of working class folks that are fed up with a government that doesn't work for all of us, just those at the very top. Um, You know, I am coming from a working class background. I'm an immigrant and a sixth generation American at the same time. I was born in South Korea where my African American army dad met my Korean mom during the Vietnam War. I grew up in working class St. Louis next door to Ferguson. You know, my mom worked two jobs. She worked as a cook at a nursing home and at a fast food joint at night in order to put my sister and me into Catholic school because our public school system was in shambles. It was truly separate and unequal. And these are the kind of things that people in the wrong zip codes just don't get the benefit for. And when we have a government that doesn't work for all of us, you know, it ultimately shoots all of us in the foot. Uh, We need a government that's going to work for all of us, not just those at the very top. Connect the dots between that lived experience, that prioritization, that urgency, and something that actually happened or could have happened in Congress had you been there instead of Earl. Yeah, I mean, looking at a wide variety of things. I mean, we can, you know, going down to get a photo op at the detention centers Mm -hmm. is one thing. You can actually stop the business in Congress and make that a priority. Get uh, Congress to focus on the kids in the chains, in, in cages, down on the border, uh, the in, the immigration issues that we have right there. You know, having a photo op and saying, oh, this is horrible, that's lip service progressivism. You don't really have skin in the game. If you really had skin in the game, you would be doing everything you can with whatever power you have, either through the mechanics of uh, Congress or through the media. I mean, you've got the power of, of, of both, and you can use those to affect change. I don't have that power here now. Nobody knows me. Yeah. And you're hoping that people will. Yes. Dad, other questions? I am blocking on the name of the treaty that uh, the Earl supported. That Trans-Pacific was, Partnership? Yes. Yes. What, what are your feelings about that? Yeah, I think that was awful. I think uh, what, what Trans-Pacific Partnership and free trade in general is, is code 
for let's shift our labor overseas where it, we can reduce our labor input costs so we can increase the profits on the, for the folks at the very top without regard to human rights, without regard to labor rights, and without regard to uh, the workers here in the States. Uh, you know, if you want to have trade, it should be fair trade. It should be trade that takes into consideration all uh, uh, of the aspects and not just the dollar signs for those at the very top. A case that you, I think, a case that you make on your campaign is that if you look at the average wealth of a human being, if you look at the in the United States, if you look at the racial makeup of the United States, if you look at the age of the United States, those things are not reflected very well in Congress. No, right? Congress is whiter, it's older, it's vastly richer. Well, let's just look at Oregon. I mean, we have seven representatives in Oregon, two senators. Five representatives, 100% of them are multimillionaires, 100% of them are white, 100% of them are over the age of 62, 100% of them are property owners, whereas the makeup of Portland or, or, or Oregon, 44% of us are renters, less than 1.4% of us are millionaires, and a good 75% of us are under the age of 62, and quite frankly, a good quarter of us are not white. Um, you know, you need to have a diversity of representation, and it's not just, um, uh, I'm not just talking about skin color, I'm talking about lived experience. You know, if everybody's cut from the same cloth, you're not going to get the diversity of thoughts, ideas, and uh, opinions that are going to get to the workable solutions that we need. Yeah. Uh, something that I, without any convincing, do appreciate, it probably took me some convincing at some point, <laughs> but the but I do appreciate is the shape of a debate is certainly impacted by the people in the room, mm -hmm. right? If there's actually a colleague, as you're saying, like I've experienced food insecurity, that actually can matter to a colleague when they say, ah, it, it makes it less likely that they'll, that they'll make a joke about it, more likely to actually think, oh yeah, I got to make sure this bill actually does something about that in the budget, et cetera. So I think that's, I don't want to cheapen that. I think that's a real thing. Uh, and I also want to see if there are dots we can connect. I know it's a hard thing to do. Same thing with campaign finance reform. It can be hard to point to a precise bill that says, oh, that would have been different but for. But I think we can see them, right? I think that is true for a bunch of our transportation priorities. I think that is, is true for timber unity. I think that it w if it weren't for the dough that Andrew Miller were, were pumping into this stuff, it wouldn't. But I, it, it okay, wouldn't I'll be a bigger part of the legislature. I'll give you a good example. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know that Earl likes to talk about um, his transportation prowess and how he's brought the streetcars to Portland and brought hundreds of million dollars uh, to Portland. Uh, but you got to look at the negative externalities to that as well. Uh, you know, that, that money was brought in. It, 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 the people who profited from it were the Dutch train company that built the cars, uh, the, the people who, um, his pals that got the, the contracts to, to install those trains, and then uh, the people who uh, owned the property near where those routes were. Mm -hmm. Now, what that did was it accelerated gentrification, it accelerated the price of housing, it pushed people further out, and uh, for something that is supposed to be beneficial for the entire district, it benefits those in the central city. It doesn't benefit the people out in Gresham uh, or Malala or Estacada. Not as much. How are you spending your campaign day? You know, um, my campaign day starts off at 4 in the morning where I go take my shift job. I go and work at 5 till 1.30 in the afternoon. After that, I'm... I'm and what's a, your shift job these days, if you don't mind sharing? My, my shift job, I work for Ruby Reception. Mm -hmm. I'm a virtual receptionist yeah. by day. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, so you can so you can support your family, so you can actually make it. Well, it's barely, it's not some, supporting; it's helping to keep the hemorrhaging. some of the costs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, after that, I, I spend the time canvassing yeah. uh, interviews. Uh, today, I took the day off because I've got four interviews today. Oh. Uh, you, uh, Young Turks, a local paper and a local podcast. Well, thanks for spending this time. No, um, but uh, I think it's important. And, and here's the thing: uh, you're right. 
this campaign, this insurgent campaign, needs more people to understand and, and to know that it's out there. Yeah. Um, that, that is the uphill battle we have. We have uh, an entrenched incumbent who's afraid to debate, who will not give us the time of day. He didn't want to give any oxygen. I mean, like, what, what, it, from his perspective, unless, and, and shows like ours should say, like, Herbal Howard ought to debate, right? Like, it ought to say, because otherwise, if nobody says that, there's no incentive for an incumbent to actually stand up and have to defend their record. Right. And here's the thing um, you know, democracy requires open forums, it requires debates. You know, if there's one name on the ballot, it's not democracy. And too often throughout this entire two, dec- two and a half decades, that has been the case. That's how come on a lot of the uh, presidential cycles, people are voting on the top line for the president and don't bother to vote for the representative because there's no choice. Dad, any last question? I do not. Well, yes, the obvious question, what did we not ask you that we should have? (laughs) Uh, What did you not ask me that you should have? Um, I guess, uh, you know, why, why, why why would I go ahead and risk everything to do this? Uh, because I believe uh, that, you know, we are going down a treacherous path. We're going down a treacherous path of oligarchy, uh, where we have uh, a ruling elite, much like around the world, uh, and that is uh, uh, damaging to democracy. Uh, and that can lead us down some pretty unfortunate paths. I mean, we've got the rise of fascism around the world, uh, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to be impacted by that before you will. Um, we have, um, you know, on the converse, if you can... You don't have to apologize. Yeah. I, I recognize. <laughs> uh, 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 in the opposite direction, I mean, we can go the route of French Revolution. Neither one of those options is a good one. Uh, and I would like to see stability uh, of social and political stability uh, and prosperity for the future for all of us. As some, as some friends I respect very much, respect you very highly, are really enthusiastic about your campaign. I really appreciate you spending this time here. Where can people find out more? You can find out more at albertlee2020.com, also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Albert Lee, candidate for Congress. You can find out more. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Barb, Diego, and Albert for joining The Local. And thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown, in about 30 minutes. Remember, we do have a new Facebook page. You can like us. I hope you like us at facebook.com slash thelocalportland. If you have story ideas, send us an email at thelocal at xray.fm. Talk to you tomorrow. In the meantime, stay home, stay connected, and thank you, democracy. As for no karaoke machines, I'm not sure if that's your silver lining or if that's yet another dark cloud. Let's see if I'm warmed up. It's a little too high for me, I think. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see Troubles are all the same You want to be where everybody knows your name If you'd like less karaoke, don't worry, no karaoke machines are going to be allowed in bars and restaurants. And if you don't want any karaoke in your The Local, just email thelocal at xray.fm. X-Ray.